Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to travel to sunny Stockholm, Sweden. Can you believe it? <laughs> it is true, apparently. So we're going to talk to Gustav about the sunny future in banking as well, because you can, of course, hear maybe even too much about banking as a service. But today Gustav will explain it to us in plain English. What are the key benefits? What is really banking as a service? Why do you need it if you want to build a fintech, if you want to upgrade your infrastructure as an incumbent? why you should leave it to Gustav's company. So I'm curious to find out more. Welcome, Gustav. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm good. And thank you for having me. Brilliant. So tell us, how did you get here? You don't need to talk about, all right, I took a bike. I'm Swedish, of course. (laughs) But how did you get to do what you do today? Good question. Since I'm an old car salesman, ended up in the financial industry and spent 10 years in traditional banking, where the vast majority of it ended up with relationship management for large fintechs and hedge funds and some really large institutions. And then we had the opportunity to take in a few smaller ones, and that's where I met our current CEO, Arut, and really interesting discussions on the sort of bright future that uh, nice technology can bring. And then he really, he's convinced me into to joining. And that's about two years ago now. As of now, at least, I, there's no turning back towards uh, traditional banking. I see. So what is wrong then with traditional banking? What is the problem <laughs> that you're solving? And why is it worth solving? Because there may be many features, many products we can talk about. But I guess you focus on the ones that you can scale up as well. And there are customers for it that are willing to pay for that solution and that effort. So what is what is your focus? Yeah, so as of now, an opportunity I saw was really that the speed of how technology, the evolution of technology is something that traditional banks processes or at least current processes can't really keep up with. So when there's things happening and these players can't really do it, if they don't start something else, another legal entity perhaps, where they can do pretty much anything outside of the traditional banking areas. But this is really something that evolves so quickly that and basically iterate pretty much every day. So yeah, the speed of it, I think, is one thing. Another thing is basically that there's processes in place and that's, of course, something that needs to be in traditional banking. So there's a, let's say, there's a coexistence. There's no, either them or us. I think we can coexist in a nice, in some nice harmony, actually. 
All right, but let's follow up on this because a lot of people talk about, all right, the incumbents, they have a difficulty to roll out new features as quickly as the neobanks, for example, right? But then the obvious solutions that some people talk about is, well, let's move to a cloud, let's be cloud native, and then you can roll out new features in weeks, not in months, etc. But at the same time, you're also talking to incumbents that generally are listed companies. So it is very difficult for them to go on a large-scale transformation where every three months you're supposed to talk about the prog- progress, right? And this will take a few years. So you're talking about a regulated industry and you talk about legacy IT infrastructure, the cloud. So what do you focus on and how do you create value for your clients? So I think that is really something that is spot on. And we consider ourselves corporate drop-offs, or I even use the, the term uh, corporate misfits, the people that I work with now. So we have a much quicker pace than that, and I have a huge respect for the legacy systems that are there. Some of the banking infrastructure is obviously built in the 60s, which still works, and that's amazing. But right now, we need to move quicker than turning the file format into XML and there's APIs out there which will allow anyone to do much more with the infrastructure than it could have been today. So I think that is inevitable. If that will happen with traditional banking today, probably not, and perhaps not in five years either, but later on they also need to transist into this. And It's just that we can keep a, a much quicker pace, I would say. Okay, so fine, you press on more quickly than others, but let's talk about your solution. How do you solve this problem, right? Because what are you saying, that your employees work faster or is it something else? No, so basically just to go back a few years, 2017, we had a hard time getting bank accounts ourselves. Uh, The traditional banks really act as gatekeepers of infrastructure, which should probably or possibly be allowed if you're within the sort of your legal rights to to build on top of that but so 2017 we got our swedish emi license and we decided to build a from ground up cloud native banking platform where these sort of more digital corporates could thrive and not only from a technology point of view but also in terms of how quickly we can onboard them what we can automate so Basically, we took the entire banking infrastructure and just said, all right, these people that have so many ideas, how can we facilitate their needs? And then we realized that this cloud-native platform we had built with functionality like really basic functionality, really. So accounts, cards, multi-currency, payments in and out, easy user administration, etc. And we built a single API on top of that to allow our clients to issue or embed financial services to the, towards their clients. And this was before it was the banking as a service bus was around everywhere. And we allowed them through various endpoints to onboard users, issue accounts to users, issue cards to users, and also facilitate payments. Now we also became principal members of Visa and MasterCard on the both on the issuing side and on the acquiring side. And that's really something that you can play around with various uh, aspects of technology. And really, yeah, it's been a ride being in traditional banking, switching mentality towards this. But the technology we have is something that 
can fit anyone. And I think that's the difference. All right. So the point is that you built a cloud-native platform for banking services. So if you are a neobank or an incumbent, you don't need to transfer all of your infrastructure to a cloud and build the platform yourself. You can use, they can use yours, right? Correct. Correct. I see. Okay. All right. And it's hosted on the cloud and potentially you are working with more than one cloud provider? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay. And so who are your key clients then? Are these neobanks or also the incumbents who want to find the solution, how to roll out new features more quickly, etc.? And as I said, that they may be worried about going into cloud themselves and moving all the modules and all the platforms and low risk. So they rather test it out this way because they just, I assume, quickly and easily connect to your platform. Yeah, we've seen some interest from the incumbents. So on the business banking side of things, that can be small and medium enterprises that doesn't get sort of currency accounts anywhere else. In Sweden, for instance, it's kind of hard to open a currency account, even if you send your invoices in another currency than than Swedish krona. On the banking as a service side, it's more anyone that gathers a crowd and want to monetize that. So think of it as football teams where they have fans and these fans get together, obviously. And if you already have an app for it, for the fans, then you can quite easily incorporate the financial services into that app, meaning you can issue both accounts and cards. And what you get from that is not uh, a new revenue stream that you didn't have before, but you also get valuable data in terms of the users, how they use or spend their money within both the app, but also outside of that, because we issue these cards for these, uh, these users, but also builds engagement. So if you're really proud of your team, then you also want to showcase that you have the card uh, the Visa card that basically has the logo on it. And we've also seen some co-branding where brands and teams actually give or issue a, a card together. So it's it's really something that you need to uh, refocus on what has been, what can be done rather than something else. So, yeah, I think the banking services or the financial services are transisting from pure banks into where clients or users want to spend their money, basically. I see. So it's not only the neobanks and incumbents, but non-banks, really. And it's about banking rather than doing business with banks, right? Correct. And you avoided it as if this was plague, but it's not. It's embedded (laughs) finance. So I guess you don't want to overuse it or what? But this is what it is, right? Yeah, it is. And there's so many use cases. And... Exactly as you say, it's a buzzword that doesn't really say anything or can say everything. But I'm not avoiding it. I just want to be clear on what we see as banking as a service. It's a nice set of endpoints in a single API. And the embedded piece is really where we can incorporate it quite easily. And the quickest turnaround time from signing a deal to having them in an app is around three to four weeks. So it can be really quick. And also, coming back to the current landscape or macro environment, there's a lot of strategies looking into how can we save cost or adapt to this landscape. But if we flip it, this can be a a strategy that really can generate revenue instead without too much hassle. So 
Let's use that example of a sports club. So, you know, you're from Sweden, so we can talk about hockey all day, right? So let's say it's about a hockey club and, you know, the fans, I've seen it in some clubs, you, you have a fan app and you can actually order meals and drinks for the intermission, which I think is great because for the event organizers to waste all this potential that they have 10,000 people there, they cannot sell them enough beer in 10 minutes, it's not very smart. So that's why these apps use it. But then let's follow up on one point you mentioned that, okay, the clubs can monetize it and things like this. But do I want as a user have yet another wallet? I wouldn't mind connecting this to Apple Pay or MasterCard or Visa or whatever. But do I want to collect points that are can be only spent in relation to this club? Or I'd rather have something that is cross-functional, right? I don't want to have too many wallets and too many currencies that are not really currencies. Agree. And that depends a little bit, of course, on how much of a hardcore fan you are. But coming back to what they can do with the app is really to push things like come early, get two beers for one, and things like that actually builds engagement towards the, if you pay with the card, obviously, but builds engagement towards the uh, towards the fans in a different way that they could do before. So I would say that or the fan economy is so big, but it hasn't really been addressed from a financial service point of view, at least not to a large amount as of today. So coming back to neobanks, though, because if you do it for neobanks, my question would be like, why this outsourcing of the backend makes sense? And what else is there for them to do? to advertise that they have services which are actually built by you and provided by you or what? Why does that make sense for financial institutions? For non-financial institutions, I get that, right? Because the hockey club has never done this and it's an untapped opportunity. But for fintechs or neobanks that want to grow, why they should outsource something like this? In the good old days, the incumbents were saying that the banking is about technology and people. So they didn't want to outsource anything. Now things are changing. So what is your angle versus, let's say, neobanks first? I would say that when a neobank wants to expand into another area geographically, for instance, so if they have presence somewhere else and want to quickly move into Europe, that's one, one thing. We cover the entire Europe with our Swedish license. So at the, in the meantime, when they are building something towards or on their own, then they can use us on the back end. And we're purely in the back end or behind the scenes. So all the front end would still be either a licensed institution or a non-licensed institution that want to monetize it. All these digital ideas that couldn't be uh, supported previously can now quite easily be supported. And coming back to your previous question in having many wallets, many cards, I think we'll see a harmonization now quite quickly because I agree as soon as you sign up for one app then you get a card and all of that but I'll I think that we'll see some I don't want to call it a super app either but where you can get the best of what you actually intend to do so if that's getting fan points from your club being loyal or something else I think it's more on a personal level that you need to figure that out yourself all right, so let's switch tack a little bit to a macro view, right? So I know that you're a big supporter of embedded finance, even though you were a bit coy about it. But uh, so where do you think we are in Europe or in Sweden when it comes to embedded finance? And 
Sometimes when people talk about it, they really mean embedded payments. But there are other things you could do in finance, right? You're saving, you're investing, all kinds of things. There are apps or services out there connecting people who want to trade or invest with the, let's say, opinion leaders when it comes to trading ideas, things like this. So where do you think we are in Europe? You hinted that there is still a huge untapped potential, but people, on the other hand, have been talking about embedded finance for a couple of years now, at least, right? So are we progressing or are we stalling? So, yeah, I would say now it's going from embedded payments and cards, perhaps, which has been the first wave of this fintech or embedded piece into lending deposits being more bank-like. And then later on, I'd rather see the financial service area democratized, meaning that if I know that I'm going abroad somewhere and I know today or FX rate on my um, in the currency I'm where I'm going, then I'd rather say that has been entitled to professionals previously. So I'm think I thinking or I do think that we're moving towards more sophisticated instruments, more but it needed to start somewhere. Payments and cards might have been the sort of easiest way to start especially since bank have, banks have also sold off to a large extent by requiring, for instance. So it's been, yeah, the lowest hanging fruit, if I can put it that way. Okay, but there is more to come. And therefore, I wanted to ask you also, what is your technology angle? Because earlier you said that you can get clients where they need to be faster. What does that mean? Do you have better engineers or there is a technology that they build, which you rely on as well, right? So you are, as when you have a startup, people think about, all right, are we consultants or are we a product company? So I think by now it's clear what you are, but maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, in technology-wise, I mean, we have, I would say, it's probably slightly different now, but about 70% of our team is devs and engineers. So we have super focus on that, making sure that we iterate pretty much every month and making sure also since we have had quite the inflow of both clients and transactions, then we need to make sure that all of this machinery works. In terms of that, then now we're looking into things like how can we be more local? That's a real technology piece that has been quite hard to, to get through, especially in the Nordics. So that's something we're looking into now. How can we add a layer of technology to translate the Nordic clearing systems that basically built in the 60s, all of them, into a more sophisticated API? And we have large clients coming to us and just saying, hey, we don't want the uh, API only, but we see that you have a banking API. And that really means that we can automate a big amount of our transactions and that's really where they want to move. So they can even move away from getting some interest rates just because the automation is worth so much to them. So yeah, those kind of things, making sure that we have more and more functionality in our banking API, not only the banking as a service API, but also adding a more local touch to things, meaning that we can do transactions locally. I see. All right. So... Let's get real for a moment here. How do you make money? 
How we make money is basically we have our clients, obviously on the business banking side, it's like a traditional bank setup. You pay a monthly fee and then some on your transactions, on your cards, et cetera, et cetera. So that's very straightforward. In terms of the banking as service side, we have sort of a joint venture or a partnership where we together support our clients in terms of how they want to build, how they want to integrate. Very close collaboration. I've been with traditional banking so long that we decided to skip this sort of 500 price items sheet and move into a super easy, straightforward, only four pieces that is onboarding accounts, cards, and payments, really. And then, of course, some small, more granular pieces as well. But And then we just cover ourselves with, with a minimum monthly. So in that sense, we actually take quite a large bet on on our clients or partners to to succeed in the in what they do but it's also a really nice way of having a win-win where we can be in the background and just cheer them on when they progress so yeah it's it's really a win-win i must say but you were so talking about minimum monthly fee so that's based off what the initial one based off your estimate of the transactions users or what yeah so we're quite since the API as such is standardized, but we're very uh, keen on giving personal support. So all our clients can either use Slack or WhatsApp or WhatMot and they get immediate responses. Just want to cover the initial cost we have that we see this account drives really. So it's a little bit dependent on the complexity of the integration, but apart from that, if they strive and, and sort of or thrive and uh, prosper in this environment, then we'll just be be in the background, as mentioned, to to cheer them on. Because obviously they also need to make a spread in terms of what we take as a cost, but also as a value proposition towards their users or clients. Sure, sure thing. So before we go, I just have two easy questions for you. One is, yeah. do you have a favorite business book that you could recommend? So what I... I'm really into is how can I make the colleagues around me also so prosper. So what I did read quite recently is a book called Good to Great. So that is something I can really recommend. All right. Makes sense. Uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great, of course, known book. And then one last question is, therefore, also how to get in touch with you and who would you like to hear from most? Yeah. Often what we tend to discuss with like CTOs or CPOs or product owners where they can realize how they can actually utilize us in a good way. And so that's basically the, the target audience or where we speak to whom we speak to as well, most often. LinkedIn is obviously a nice way or just reach out through email. As mentioned, we are very keen to keep the personal touch it won't take too long before you receive an answer all right so thank you so much gustav good luck to you and intergiro or intergyro thank you and have a great day thank you for listening to voice of fintech podcast if you haven't already check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. 
If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceofintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.